There's Luke Voigt. He's two for his last 18, but a threat every time he comes to the plate. Like that. Driven deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. A two-run home run for Voigt. Two-nothing Yanks. Voigt hits one to Detroit. A two-run home run for the Yankees slugging first baseman. Oh, that Voigt is a droit. His two-run home run gives the Yankees, right off the bat, a 2-0 lead. You are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. We are into May, and it is Steve and Sam coming at you. Sam, how are you doing? Doing well, Steve. Uh, home stretch of college coming, and the Yankees are playing better baseball against some better competition. They took two or three from the Twins. They won one against the Mariners tonight, a team that's above 500. So I'm feeling pretty good, and guys are coming back. A roster crunch is coming. We're going to be getting to that later in the episode. But the Yankees are winning, and guys are coming back, and they haven't had any new injuries. So there, there is one new injury. We'll get to Paxton, but there is oh. one. But <laughs> there's always one, Sam. There's always one. Finals, <laughs> papers, it, it gets it gets to me. You know, it's, it's it's it seems like impossible these days for the Yankees to have some good injury news to then not have bad news because it was like back to back. With, with this stuff. But as you said, it's, it's all good things right now for the Yankees. The Yankees are 14-5 and five since April 16th. That's the best record in the American League. And as you mentioned, they are beating teams with under, above a 500 record. That has been the knock on them forever. The Yankees do not pick the schedule. you got to play who you play. And they are, they are now, the Twins had a, the best record in baseball at the time of the series. They took two or three there. Um, and the Yankees just continued to dominate the Twins in an embarrassing fashion. I think since 2002, the Yankees are 95 and 34 versus the Twins. And it's like, it sounds made up, but that's, I may be off by a game or two, but that's how absurd it is. And then even more so, Johan Santana has eight of those wins. So it's absurd how badly the Holy Yankees just shit. dominate the Twins. It doesn't matter who's on either roster. Anytime Minnesota comes to town, it's guaranteed that they just become a triple A team. And even with the Yankees with a triple A lineup, go out there and take two or three. So that is that is nice for them to see because the Minnesota's been playing well. But the the, the the two big names are back. Shockingly, Miguel Andujar is back. I did I don't think either one of us thought that was happening maybe at all this year. But he's back. And Clint Frazier joined the lineup, you said tonight, Monday. Uh, two big names that really stretches out this lineup that the Yankees uh, are going to need as the schedule gets tougher. Steve, with Andujar, he's back right now. He has a small labrum tear. My thought is he's eventually going to need that surgery, yes or no? I assume so the entire time, but I'm still shocked that he's playing now. I thought this was going to be at least until the, into this early summer, maybe all-star break. Um, I did see that he spoke to two separate specialists that did not recommend uh, surgery as well. So maybe that's a good sign. Maybe when they're talking small tear, they're talking very, very small here. But I'm still nervous about it. I still think that a surgery is very likely in his career. But maybe it's something like a completely different muscle and parts of the body here. But 
we all swore Tanaka was getting Tommy John his rookie year, and he, we're still hanging on to a thread there too. So who knows what this is going to be um, for, for Andujar because it doesn't look like his, his swing is still violent and the throws that he was able to put on target looked like they had some pop to it. Yes, and Frazier is also back. He had a two-week absence with the ankle. So it's very interesting, and we're going to get into the roster crunch. But this is these are two big boosts. I'm going to give Andujar a week to see how he is doing. He doesn't look too, too good so far, but we'll give him some time and assess his performance uh, on the next episode. But Frazier is back, and the Yankees outfield mess got so bad when he went down. They had to go out of their system they had to make a trade for Cameron Mabin yes they only gave up cash considerations but as I mentioned on last week's episode the Friday game at San Francisco Talkman was the longest tenured outfielder <laughs> on the Yankees so that was in the lineup excuse me Gardner got a night off that game but getting Frazier back is huge you know four outfielders I know Talkman uh, isn't a great hitter maybe he's a fringe MLB player he did homer yesterday and had a double tonight though but you have four outfielders now you have Gardner Frazier Mabin and Talkman and for a while there the Yankees were going with three outfielders and then Tyler Wade who they yeah. and Estrada was out there a couple the games too yeah Estrada was in left field a little bit as well so I mean it's been picking out of a hat for the Yankees in the outfield for a lot of this year but having Frazier back is huge Aaron Hicks is rehabbing in Tampa right now. He just had a rehab game with the Tampa Tarpons tonight, the high A affiliate of the Yankees. So reinforcements are on the way, but I'm interested to see how Andujar plays in the next week. And with Frazier being back, the depth in the outfield is there. And transitioning from Andujar, I think it's a good time to transition to a guy who has been quite the pleasant surprise for the Yankees this year, and that is Giovanni Urshela, who has been raking from third base. He has been playing outstanding defense, and a lot of Yankees fans don't want to see this guy leave the lineup, and for good reason, because the the defense on top of making contact so many times, getting on base, he's become a fan favorite. What a revelation of, of Gio Urshela. I mean, the defense, I mean, when you, when you look him up, especially with the Yankees here, the things, the only thing that came up was that he had two big errors in the ALDS when he was with the Indians versus the Yankees, and that's pretty much the only time he's ever had some major league spotlight. Um, but his, his glove is what has been kept keeping him around. He only played in 18 games last year, and, and holy cow, that glove. I mean, Monday night, two fantastic plays one looper over his head that he was able to make look pretty simple that I don't know how many third basemen in the league get to that you know you know two or three you know Ornato and Chapman maybe um, and then another great barehanded play no hesitation a good throw um, as, I, on defense alone given the injuries he needs to be in the lineup but then you mentioned the surprise the guy's batting 352 I mean, this isn't just a one or two week stretch here. He's now played in 26 games. That's a full month. He's hitting 352. Doesn't have the pop that that Andujar has, um, with only one home run and uh, seven doubles. But right now, there there's no question that he needs to play every day at third base, and Andujar needs to be the DH. We saw it clearly in Andujar's first game. He he missed in the first inning. He missed the first ball hit to him 
was uh, he just missed the, the stab at it, and that led to an error. And then later in the game, he had a, an atrocious throw that pretty much looked like he was playing catch with Clint Frazier, with, uh, with Talkman out in right field instead of with the second baseman on a double play. And those are two the Yankees didn't give up a run on either one of those, I don't, I don't recall. But two atrocious plays that you just can't put him in the field, especially with Gio there and him hitting like this. If the time comes later on where Gio's batting 240, fine. We'll talk about the, the the level of offensive value versus defensive value. But now it's not even a question. He needs to play literally every day um, and, and for the next two to three weeks here because I think until Stanton comes back, which could be a few more weeks, it, it's not even a close call here defensively. He is, uh, He's really made the Yankees' defense kind of a game changer for them at, at third base where last year it was literally one of the worst in baseball. Absolutely, and you mentioned the defense. I only saw one of Andujar's errors over the weekend at third base. Which but one? He was he was going for a force out at second. Oh my god, he, <laughs> he's airmailed that thing. <laughs> that thing was going to City Field. Yeah. I mean, geez, airmailed. So I even in, injury or not, I have been concerned about Andujar's defense at third base. It was a huge reason I was vouching for them to sign Machado. I'm not getting into that right now, but. Andrew Hart's defense has been a major, major question mark. And without Stanton, without Judge, you can absolutely stash Andrew Hart at DH and play Urshela at third. Because like you said, Steve, not only is Urshela really bringing it with the glove, his bat batting 352 in 26 games, he is a legitimate force for the Yankees in that bottom of the lineup. And Aaron Boone doesn't want to take him out. And for good reason. And with... With all of these injuries right now, the Yankees can absolutely still afford to have both he and Andujar in the lineup, and that's what I think is going to happen for the foreseeable future. But I'm going to have an eye on Andujar a lot in the next week to see how he is recovering from his DL stint because this is just a bit of a bizarre situation to me. I mean, the guy had a partial labrum tear, and he rehabbed, he looked good, he hit a home run down in Tampa, but... You have to think this surgery is going to come at at least some point in his career. In the near future, I think, either after the season or sometime soon after. So I'm very, very interested to see how Andujar is coming back from this injury because it was all, I did not expect to see him for the rest of the season. You thought the same thing, I believe, Steve. Yeah. Once you mention surgery, it's just just get it anytime. If anytime I hear the word surgery, it's like all right, let's just get it over with. So I was I was shocked. So if he's batting one sixty in his return in seventeen or twenty games when he returns, or, or now that he's returned, I I just opt for the surgery because like I I think you and me both agree he's going to need it eventually. Yeah, not not a doctor, not definitely Sam and Steve, not not medical doctors here, but it, we'll see what the case is too. I mean, the crazy thing is we are weeks away from having to do this. Is like you said, like does this put added pressure on him now? Because kind of last year he kind of came in with no pressure. It was like they had no choice, they had no one else to play third base for a long time, and he came in and he played great, doubles machine, almost won Rookie of the Year. Love him. And I hope that he gets back to that. But now with his shoulder, does his swing change at all? Is there any little extra pressure he puts on himself? 
now that he's maybe a, strictly a DH for the next month or so. So it will be interesting to see here. Like I said, he's only played in six games, so he's batting 208. So I'm not going to put anything behind that. He's going to need a couple a couple weeks. I'm going to give him at least you know three, almost three to four, almost a full month here before we put pressure on him. But you know, what do you do in a month if, like you said, if he's batting around 220, 230, which we know he's more than capable of being a 300 hitter, um, and Urshela's kind of doing that. It's a similar situation that we kind of ran into last year with Brandon Drury of just maybe put him in the minors and just kind of see what happens. I don't think the Yankees will ever need to get to that point, but it's something that we would never even think about discussing heading into this year. Is that Miguel, Miguel Andujar might not be you know the the in the lineup when you when you need to if to, to get the best lineup out there. So it's it's a I'm glad he's back and let, let's hope best case scenario that he starts hitting the cover up the ball and you have to decide when you know who who's playing third and who's DH in every day here because you know worst case scenario is you have a great bat off the bench in Arshella if he keeps it up or in in Andujar. So it's a it's a good problem to have when we're talking about all the injuries that the Yankees have had this year. I am not going to complain when we say we have too many players that are healthy now that we want to have in the lineup. So it's a it's a it's a thing that we'll we'll, we'll get to in the future and and see what happens here. But for now, Miguel Andujar is back, and I'm happy about that. You know, Miggy's back. Let's get him hitting the ball again. Young kid out there. He's, we know he can hit. So let's, let's get back to hitting, and then we'll hopefully the rest will sort itself out. Um, another young kid who's hitting the ball and taking a big play up in defense is Glaber Torres. He's got himself an 11 game hitting streak. He's gotten his average all the way up to 271. It was a lot lower, you know, a week ago when we were talking. It was he was under the 250 mark, I believe. So he's played well, and he's had to play in shortstop. He's bounced around. He's played some games in second. He's played some games at shortstop. Um, so Glaber Torres, and he's batted in the middle of the order. He's you know the four or five hitter um, up until the, you know the injuries are coming back here. So we got the day off on Monday, and we got to see uh, Estrada in the field, and he made some nice plays at shortstop too. But you know. The good thing out of all this is I'm taking is between uh, Estrada, Torres, and Duhar, and now Urshela. Yankees got themselves some some nice young, controllable infielders that um, are going to be leading this team uh, for the foreseeable you know week or so, well weeks until we get the, the big hitters back. Especially with Judge, it could be a long time. But Glaber Torres has stepped up. He tends to put a lot of pressure on himself. We've noticed it last year. Um, and just as we're recording this, it's the one-year anniversary of Glaber's huge walk-off home run that kind of, you know, almost started the Glaber mania stuff. Um, but starting out very nicely in, in his his second year, his first full year, um, and then even having to change positions to shortstop with the injury to Tulowitzki. So it's good to see him kind of hitting well in this 11-game win, uh, hitting streak. Absolutely, Steve. Glaber is 15 for 45, and. For 15 for his last 45, that equates like that. to a 333 batting average. And he's like seeing the ball a lot better. He's getting his wrist around quick, getting that bat through the zone uh, very, very quick. Uh, some RBIs, a lot of singles, and he's even shown some pop and a lot of doubles as well. So this He's is doing it all. This is the Glaber we thought would be seeing this year. And he had a good start and then a rough middle, and now he is playing very, very well. As you said, he got a day off tonight uh, to rest. And I'm looking forward to see what, looking forward to seeing what he can do in year two. I wouldn't be surprised if this continued and, and we saw him in the All-Star game again. He was, again selected yeah. he was selected last year, was unable to play due to injury. But I'm very, very excited to see what he can do in his second year fully healthy. And you mentioned 
that we are recording on the one-year anniversary of his walk-off home run against Cleveland, a game the Yankees were down four runs in. And that was one of my favorite memories of the 2018 season that obviously ended in disappointment. But Glaber, I'm excited that he's, you know, 15 for his last 45. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. He's getting a lot of time at shortstop, as you said, with Tulowitzki hurt. So he's versatile. They can play him at second. They can play him at short. He even did some work down at third in the minors. But I think he's going to be in that middle infield. And when he's in the lineup, I think he's going to be the shortstop because don't oh, yeah. expect to see Troy Tulowitzki soon. He suffered another setback. We'll get into that. But I think when it's all said and done, bold prediction, Steve. Glaber Torres, we could be talking about him as a top 10 player in baseball by year's end. You by year's end? First. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Because uh, the crazy thing is that, you know, we, now he's been with us for over a full year. He's still only 22. Like, that is, the Yankees do not have come up with these young guys coming up here. I mean, Judge came up there. You know, he was, you know, 25. Um, and Duhar's older than him. He's got, he's tw- and Duhar's 24, I believe. So, I mean, you have all these guys that are that are definitely young, but no one's been coming really as close as Glaber Torres. Um, so just you know, just 22. He'll be 22 all season here. He is still a baby, and he's really been asked since he's come up here to, to play a big role on a, on an important team here. And the, the pressure hasn't gotten to him. If he turns out to be a streaky hitter who's around 275, 280, I'm 100 fine with that. Um, you know, he's like I said, he's playing shortstop now. He's got uh, 28 starts at shortstop this year. He still he does have four errors, so he, he does kind of still has a couple mental mistakes there. But he has a cannon, and he, I think he's played shortstop very very well so far. Um, and if need, if needed, he goes back to second whenever um, you know Didi comes back. So it, it's a good like I said, always a good problem to have when players are, are playing well, especially when they're you know reinforcements on the way too. But it, it's just fun to see Glaber kind of doing it as the the Glaber mania, I feel like, has died down because there's been so many other things here. Kind of Luke Voigt towards the end of last year and definitely this year has taken um, some of the glam away from Glaber Torres. You know, Gary Sanchez hitting balls to outer space is kind of taken away from Glaber Torres. But at 22 years old, Glaber Torres has been the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees, and the Yankees have been playing really well. As I said, they're 14-5 and five, uh, since mid-April here, and Glaber started, what, all but two of those games at shortstop. So very, very important role that Glaber's played and quietly has uh, has played it really well. Um, one of the things that's kind of overshadowed shadowed Glaber Torres, uh, as I mentioned, is Luke Voigt. His streak finally came to an end um, this weekend. He had 42 straight games of, of reaching base, and he went uh, two games back-to-back before tonight hitting a home run. Uh, ending that streak here, but an all-time streak for for Luke Voigt here. It's the third longest streak, uh, fourth longest streak in Yankees history. He's up there with some of the great names, uh, A. Rod, obviously, um, Lou Gehrig, Paul O'Neill was even up there and cracking jokes about that. It must have been a misprint that he was up there for these uh, numbers. But 42 straight games is an accomplishment. I don't care if it's a walk, a hit, hit by pitch. Um, when you when you're batting, especially since the Judge injury, when you're batting in the two hole. It's time to get on base, and Luke Voigt's been doing that practically every day. He really has been. He was on a two for eighteen entering tonight, but first inning, you know, an absolute missile got out of there in like one point two seconds. I don't know. It got out of there in a hurry, but you know, slumping headed into tonight, and then he broke out of it, and that's just great to see. And I wonder. I know when Judge comes back, he's definitely going to be in the two-hole, but it's been nice seeing Voight take off from that spot in the lineup. And to have a slugger like Voight 
be able to slide right into that two hole. They have Giancarlo Stanton injured too. It's not a luxury a lot of teams have because Stanton, if healthy, he's probably their backup two hole hitter. He hit in yep. the two hole. He hit in the two hole when Judge was injured last year with the wrist injury, and to have that third slugger, true slugger mentality in Voit in the two hole is just such a luxury for the Yankees. And he's taken off out of there. And, you know, I don't really want to get into this, but I have to bring it up. Oh, where are you going? Greg, Greg Bird, if, oh. he, ever, if he ever comes back. I know we. I wanted to get into this last week, but we didn't. If Greg Bird ever comes back, I wrote in my article last week about Luke Voigt. I'm not even sure when fully healthy right now, the imagine the Yankees are fully healthy besides Greg Bird. Does Greg Bird have a spot on the twenty-five man roster right now? No, not even close. No, he'd be like twenty-eight. I would rather have Tyler Wade up there than him. If, if you have everybody healthy, um, you can have DJ LeMayu be your backup first baseman. Um, take Miguel Andujar as your emergency first baseman. Have him start fielding grounders. There, there's. Right now, there, there's no room for, for Greg Bird at all. He needs to go to the minors whenever he gets healthy. He has plenty of options left and, and go work on it there. there. There's just... He doesn't play any other position. Well, you know, I'm saying it. There's no need for it. I mean, most first basemen don't. And, and, and he hasn't hit consistently in uh, like four calendar years. The last time he was a productive, consistent <laughs> 20... hitter in baseball was my freshman year in college. I'm 10 days away from graduation right now. <laughs> Jesus. But you're right. No, there's, there's. I think that we we've reached the point, especially with with Ver, uh, with Luke Voigt proving that he's absolutely not a fluke, um, and that there's actually even like I mean, Mike Ford didn't look great at all, but he showed he was patient up there, and he was probably putting up the same numbers that Greg Bird was putting up there. So Greg Bird is 100 destined to to not be on the 25 man roster. If he if he does get healthy and is on the roster, it means that the Yankees' injury problems have continued all season, and they're in some desperate need here because um, yeah, there's, there's no need for, for to have him and Luke vote on the roster. And that was kind of the plan going into the year. They kind of said it was a first base battle with the loser going to triple a, but unfortunately the injuries, they're like, ah, I guess we can keep one. I mean, right off the bat with Aaron Hicks, they're like, all right, we got some extra spots here, extra spots there. So it kind of worked itself out. But now that the health is hopefully coming back, then I think there's, there's no chance that we see Voight and bird uh, both on the roster, unless there's some serious, serious injuries that would, that would suck. Yeah, and like you said, I, I just don't see a spot with Bird being on the roster when the Yankees are fully healthy. Even even right now, if he was ready to come back, they'd probably have him back. But when the Yankees are fully healthy, I think Greg Bird is going to be in the minors. And I mentioned it before the season started, and I kind of took it back on this. Ep- I kind of took it back on the same episode that the Yankees may have to look into trading one of the loser of the competition yeah. because I just don't think they can. You can't trade Luke Voigt at, at all now. He, he's oh, going, no, he's no, going no, nowhere. No. Yeah, you, you can't trade Luke Voigt, but I mean, Greg Bird, I don't see. And we've seen nothing from Luke Voigt to say this is a, a, a one a one hit wonder because he has over 70 games with the Yankees right now. Yeah. Tonight was his 24th career home run in, in, you know, around 70 games. I don't have the exact total, but. <laughs> It's around 70. This is a legitimate sample size. It's almost half a season. It's a 50 home run pace. (laughs) It's it's insane. So 
I don't see a role for Greg Bird on this Yankees team anymore. When he gets healthy, I really wonder what's going to happen to him if he's going to go to the minors or the Yankees will find a trade partner on him, get another guy who's a wild card, maybe another team's prospect, a pitching prospect who hasn't hands out or something, a change of scenery guy. I don't know, but I'm not sure Greg Bird gets another at-bat with the New York Yankees again. Uh, I would not be not be shocked at all. We'll see what happens there. He is still, you know, got plenty of years left. But I think for now we can just end the Greg Bird talk on the on this podcast because there's no need for the negativity that he always brings us. Now I was hopeful. I'll admit it, I was hopeful, and I, I kept thinking, you know, if he gets healthy and he gets playing, he'll be fine. I'm done. I'm out on Greg Bird. It's all Luke Voigt. Here we go. 29 RBIs, leading the team, and as you said, doing a great job in the two-hole. And it's pretty crazy to think that, you know, even when Judge went down, the immediate option was to put Voight in the two-hole here. It's crazy how the structure of an MLB lineup has completely changed. You know, look how many day, years in a row do we have, you know, the Chuck Knobloch, Derek Jeter one two. you know, get the two guys on base for the power hitters. Now it's the Judge Voight stands in the, in the two holes, and we've seen it kind of across baseball, which has been very interesting. And it's, it's succeeding for the Yankees, and it's succeeding for Luke Voight, and it does great jobs for um, – for Aaron Judge when he's there too, but I was I was interested to see what they were going to do with Judge there. Maybe if you had a you know a DJ LeMayu like and a Glaber Torres one two option or something like that. But Luke Luke Voigt's been doing well in there. Like you said, tenth home run today, an absolute missile down the line. Got out of there in like you said less than half a second. I think it was 108 miles per hour. His last two home runs have been absolute pull jobs, which is kind of taken away from the uh, the opposite field jobs that he was doing out on the West Coast. So he's working the field. All around there, and uh, you know, Luke Voigt just continued to do what he needs to do. Um, moving on to the pitching a little bit here, Sam. You, you, you forgot about it in the beginning of the episode, but James Paxson left the game after three innings. It was an ugly, ugly, ugly like day out there. Maybe I thought maybe he was just tightening up, and it looks like that kind of was the case. But it was a pre-existing knee injury that he's had all season, which has me a little nervous here. Brian Cashman went on there and said it's a three-week maximum type thing. So they're hoping that this is going to be a 10 to 14-day, you know, miss two to three starts max and get him back on board, which is kind of – it's still – which is good news that it's not a serious issue here, but also very concerning knowing Paxton's long list of injuries. His knee has not really been an issue for him in the past and because he's been pitching awesome. You know, his, his, he's been pitching really well and he's had some absolute gems, you know, striking out 10, 11, 13, 12 guys – um, but just another spot in the in the rotation we have to fill now, and another guy that goes on the Yankees DL or IL. Yeah, Paxton on the IL. Uh, it happened Friday night. Boone said it's going to be three weeks absolute max, but he's going to be shut down for five to seven days with the quarter zone. And he's been throwing some gems, you know, against the Red Sox. That was really what got him started in the Bronx, and. It's a shame to see him go on the DL, but hopefully it's just for the, the minimum amount of time. Even if it's three weeks, it's not going to be a, the end of the world. Three weeks or a month, but the Yankees are going to miss Paxton. Lewisica is taking his spot in the rotation on Wednesday. Yep. So that's going to be quite the drop-off, but let's hope this is nothing serious and the Yankees should not rush him back because they – with Severino now not supposed to return until the All Star after the All Star break, and by the way, I'll believe Severino returns when I see him return. It's yep. just a wait and see thing. Uh, with Sabathia looking unable to go past the sixth inning, uh, the Yankees are going to need James Paxton down the stretch. So 
don't rush him back. If it takes a month or six weeks, just get that out there right now. But it doesn't sound too serious. So fingers crossed. I hope the Big Maple is back soon. Yeah, he like I said, he's a huge guy. You don't earn the big name Big Maple being a tiny guy. So the, the knees are definitely important when you're on the mound. Um, he leads the team with 52 strikeouts this year. Um, he, like I said, he beat those back-to-back games versus the Royals and the Red Sox where he put up 12 strikeouts. Um, and then with Severino, you know, we can't have those are the two guys that we had listed as our aces going into the year now on the IL. So it is definitely a huge issue for the Yankees. And we'll see what Loisica can do there. Another guy that hasn't really gone deep into games um, in, in his short career. But the man holding down the fort is Domingo Herman. And each week we keep joking about when are we going to stop talking about him. It's impossible to start stop talking about him. This guy has been doing everything on the mound. And it's, it's, it's time that the rest of the league starts noticing. He's got six wins, which I'm just, nobody cares about pitching wins, whatever. I still care about the wins because you need to win games here. And, and he's, when he pitches, the Yankees win. He's got six wins, tied for first in the AL. Opponents are batting 158 against him. First alone in the AL. Opponents o, uh, um, o, OPB, 225. First in the AL. Opponents slugging percentage, 245. First in the AL. This guy is up there with the best in the American League this year. His ERA, 235. Fourth in the AL. Whip, 0.89. Tied for third in the AL. This is absurd that we're talking that these numbers are Domingo Herman's numbers. Something has clicked for him this year. He got another nice win versus versus the Twins. You know, we mentioned last week that he needs to do these against more consistent, better teams. His first go around, it looked looked sharp out there. Got the win again. So it's every week we'll keep talking about him because he's pitching like one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, and it's it's wild. It really is, Steve. And how about that two seamer that he was working inside and out? Just cutting back up. I mean, disgusting stuff. Unhittable if you are a hitter. And the development of this kid has been really something to see. And credit to the Yankees coaching staff, the Yankees farm system guys, and Larry Rothschild, the pitching coach. This is a, a Big, the Yankees, and I said it on last week's episode, maybe uh, I know I've said it a couple times, he was a throw-in, a total project for the Yankees in that Nathan Eovaldi trade. It was one of those trades where the Yankees had the choice of three or four single-A pitchers, and they picked Domingo Herman. And Herman has really, really shown something. And again, that goes like you said, Steve, to Brian Cashman. And you can tie Cashman's, uh, his touch there to Luke Voigt, who we just talked about. He sees something in these players. And then I'm going to go to another guy he poached from Miami in Mike King, a Yankees prospect. He has been injured this year. Uh, He's on his way back, though. And King has been tearing through the Yankees system so much that teams were calling about him at last, last year's deadline. So Brian Cashman, he has that touch. And Domingo Herman really carved up a team who came into Yankee Stadium with the best record in the American League this weekend. And it was very, very encouraging to see. Two-seam fastball, the change-up. The change-up, so, just falling off the table. So nasty. It, it, and it looks so good, and then it just literally just falls off the table. It, it, it's 
He's very fun to make gifts of because it's literally the ball just disappears. And then he throws those 96 on the dots. It was it, It's really crazy to watch him pitch and to think this is the same guy from last year. We saw it in very small spurts last year, but it lasted two to three innings where we both were like, just like kind of like with Johnny Lasagna, like maybe he's uh, could turn into a, like a – you know, a 98, 99 guy in, in the bullpen for an inning or two. But he's he's lasting longer in these in these outings. Um, and it's it's going to be, you know, he's, he's walked to K ratio. He's got, you know, 39 Ks to, to 12 walks. So kind of his, his Ks have kind of been down a little bit, but also has kind of been a good thing because it lets him go longer into the games here. Um, it, it's crazy. He hasn't – every game he's gone, he's gone at least into the fifth inning. So as a guy coming into the year that we thought, you know, maybe just get four innings and we'll, have, we'll go with a longer bullpen day and just kind of wait till everybody's healthy, he's become the ace of this staff without a question. Yes, and really the control was a big, big thing coming into this year. And we saw flashes last year of him pitching like this, but he has done it for a sustained length this year. And I was at a spring training game a couple of months ago down in Florida. I was at the Cardinals facility, and the Yankees came over to play them. Herman was on the mound. The Yankees only brought a couple regulars that day. It was Torres, Andujar, Frazier, and it was Herman. And Herman was pitching to be in the rotation. Well, well, it was pretty much guaranteed that he was in the rotation at that point because it was weeks after the injury to Luis Severino. And he gave up three home runs in less than four innings, one, uh, two of them were to Dexter Fowler, and these things were absolute missiles that he was giving up. And I was joking around. I was like, hey, maybe I could go out there and hit a home run off of Domingo <laughs> Herman. But again, and now look at him. That was only five or six weeks ago, and now look at him. I mean, Carvin threw a very potent lineup in the Minnesota Twins on Sunday, and this is great to see the player development of this young Yankees pitching and Herman is the latest um, guy in that. Yeah, he's he's on a, he's, on a, he's gonna give up two home runs. You said that that spring training game he gave up three home runs. A whole year so far in thirty eight innings, he's only given up two home runs. So we're gonna you know let it let it keep going and let it continue. He's gonna be up against Tampa next week. So another good young uh, kind of lineup here that you know Tampa's in first At place. Trop. At the Trop, a place you know the demon place for the Yankees. So it's gonna be. Got to got to build on that, you know. Destroy all those crappy teams like he did earlier this year. Now he's got the Twins, and now he's got the you know the Rays, and he's gonna have to face the Red Sox at some point this year. Um, it's, it's it's encouraging to see what he's doing here. And now with the Paxton injury too, you know, I don't I don't think we have to worry about him leaving the rotation anytime soon um, when, when players get healthy. So it, it's it's crazy. And another guy that we were not expecting to be much for the Yankees this year has been Tommy Kaneline. You know, check out Gotham SN. Dot com today. I got an article dropping about him and some of the, the numbers and stats that he's been putting up this year. But I, I'll be honest, I was out on Tommy Kaneline at, you know, heading into this year. You know, the Yankees spent big money on Zach Britton and Adam Adovino. Um, they still had, you know, this was before Dylan Matanzas got hurt. I still was a big fan of Chad Green. I was like, I don't really care about Tommy Kaneline. Don't really need him on the roster. If, if, you know, they got other guys out there that could do it. But he shut me up and he's proved me wrong. He's gone 11 straight games appearances with at least one strikeout and zero hits. Tommy Kaneline's only given up four hits the entire year, 50 batters. He has, he's lost the weight. He stopped drinking Red Bull. He said he was chugging, chugging that like it was water for past years. Um, he looks to be fully healthy as he had some injuries that he kind of kept under wraps last year. But 
pure resurgence here. I mean, we, we were, remember in 2017, we were talking about him, another great cashman find in a trade, and in in that huge deal that got us Todd Frazier and David Robinson. And everybody's talking about Tommy Canley. And for him to start up that high to start his Yankee career, drop to be in the minors most of last year, and coming back and just throwing gas again. The, the, the fastball's back up to 97. Um, career-saving you know month here, I think, for Tommy Kalian because I think you know many were like me, where if he just didn't show up, I don't think I would have lost sleep over it. But he has been proven to be a factor for the Yankees. And if he didn't show up, not that the Yankees were not, – not that fans were expecting much out of him, but just think about the issues the Yankees' bullpen have had coming into this year and this year. Dylan Batantis has his kid, rushes back in spring training. We don't know when the hell we're going to see him. Chad Green can't get anybody out at the major league level. Tommy Canely, where would the Yankees be without him? Because yeah. and Zach Britton struggled too, so he's he's pitched in, in high-leverage situations. Yes, and with Batantis on, on the shelf, Green not being able to get anybody out, and Britton struggling a little bit. Uh, had a good outing tonight, I will mention that. He, he got did. four he outs, did not allow a base runner. But holy cow, Tommy Canely, the fastball has the zip. The changeup is absolutely filthy. That is what we saw so much in that postseason run of 2017 when he was arguably the most valuable reliever out of the Yankees' bullpen in that run. That electric fastball, that changeup, and he lost a, over a full mile an hour on that fastball last year, which kept him in the minors. The Yankees did not trust him to get hitters out at the major league level, and when they brought him up last year, it was not a pretty sight. But he is back up this year. He is firing those fastballs. And the changeup is just having hitters swinging all over the place. It is absolutely filthy. So Tommy Canely is a major, major contributor on this Yankees team now and going forward. And I had a couple rants about him on the podcast last year because the Yankees traded Blake Rutherford for him. And he was one of their top prospects. Yeah. First round pick in 2016. And Tommy Canely was giving them no return on investment last year, rotting in Scranton for almost the entirety of the year, not being able to get hitters out at the major league level. But now he is back, and he is one of the most valuable pieces in that Yankee bullpen. Throw strikes, too. When he was up in 2017, that was never really a concern with me about him throwing strikes. And He was, he was so confident when he came over from the trade. I mean, the did, confidence level was was through the roof, and it disappeared last year. Did not walk a lot of guys in 2017, and he is here now and one of the most valuable players on this, not even on the bullpen, but on this Yankees team. And he has stepped up in a big, big way. Not only, like I said, not only is his performance great to see as an asset out of the Yankees bullpen, but the Yankees bullpen had two guys coming into this year that are on a – unavailable at the major league level right now and Batantis and Green well both different situations as yeah. I mentioned but Canely not only has his performance been amazing but the Yankees needed somebody to step up with Batantis being out coming into the year and they got some news on Chad Green that he could no longer get anybody out so Canely's performance is a big big deal Huge. And you mentioned the changeup here, and that's kind of what I mentioned in my, my article here, is that in 2017, he threw the changeup and the, the slider almost kind of a split 50-50 when it, was, when, when it wasn't a fastball. It was a 50-50 chance it was a changeup or a slider here. 
Um, and he's gone away from that. He's practically now just going fastball changeup. Very rarely does he throw the slider here, and, and it, you don't need to. To be a very successful um, you know, bullpen arm, two pitches works. If they're two good pitches, they work. And that was the issue with him last year, besides kind of some of the health things here, is he had his fastball was down, um, so people were jumping on that. And then when he did throw the changeup, it wasn't that big of a – of a difference between the fastball because the fastball was kind of flat. So now this year with the fastball working, it makes the changeup significantly better here. So that combo, that fastball changeup combo, is really working for him, and the Yankees need it. Like like you said, we, we now can, can trust him for now as a seventh, eighth inning guy here if someone needs a day off or if you got to use Britain for a lefty-lefty matchup early on in the game. So it kind of changes a lot of what the Yankees can do while they wait for Dylan Batanzas. Batanzas did throw from 25 feet today which is, you know, practically nothing. So he's still weeks and weeks away um, from – he even kind of joked that said that someone asked him if he could be back by the end of the month, and he literally just, like, laughed in the guy's face. He was like, not unless I become Superman. So Dylan is being pretty uh, – uh, not not positive, but but being pretty realistic with his expectations here that he's a long way away. So we are gonna, definitely going to need, you know, Tommy Canley out there um, for, for multiple – games and he's he's pitching back-to-back days he got the day off today on monday but so i'll expect to see him if the yankees got in a tight spot uh, on tuesday that that he'll be he'll be in the lineup um one thing we kind of can i don't want to jinx it here because if they if they get shut out to, if they get shut out on tuesday here everyone's going to blame us for it but it is pretty crazy a lot of people were talking about it today the yankees have not been shut out since June 30th, 2018. That's 116 games the Yankees have scored at least one run. Luke Voigt got it out of the way early today with that first inning blast, his fifth first inning home run today. But it is pretty crazy. And baseball is a weird sport, and there are you do have flat days. To not get shut out for 116 straight games is pretty impressive. That is obviously the longest active streak in baseball here. So we know the Yankees are at least going to score at least one. But it's going to be, you know, the true factor is how many we score after that. But it's, it's nice to see. It's a nice little streak to talk about. It really is. And they were shut out three times that week from June 23rd to June 30th. They were shut out at Tampa <laughs> June 30th, shut out in Philly on June 27th. I was at that game and then shut out against Boston and Chris Sale on June 30th, but have not been shut out since then. Pretty remarkable, like you said, longest streak in baseball and just shows to the testament of the Yankees lineup. When their top guys aren't doing it, the bottom guys are. And I, I just can't believe they have not been shut out this season with some of those lineups. Knock, that knock on every there. piece of wood in that door room, dorm room, Sam. They cannot get shut out Tuesday. <laughs> they cannot get shut out on Tuesday. We may have to cancel the pod for good. <laughs> oh, my. But it was – it's just a very, very impressive streak. And like, like I said, I can't believe it hasn't happened yet this year with – but the, think the, of all the lineups we've been throwing out there. We had Mike yeah. Talkman batting cleanup at one point. <laughs> I mean, absurd. They had, I mean, Urshela batting cleanup, too. And Urshela's been raking, but, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Giovanni Urshela is not your typical cleanup hitter. So, tomorrow, the Yankees are facing uh, Mariners lefty Marco Gonzalez, a 27-year-old uh, lefty, 3.28 on the season, 5-1 and one record, and... And let's good, see what he good can. test. Yeah, always a good yeah, test. Yeah, good test. So hopefully they do not get shut out tomorrow, or else uh, I think the pot will have to be canceled. Unfortunately, <laughs> now just yeah. kidding. No. Um, so yeah, that's that's actually yeah, you mentioned it. There, guys. Let's talk about the rest of this week here because they got three more versus Seattle here, 
Um, the Yankees play Seattle very well. They haven't lost a series to Seattle in the last 16 attempts, which I think goes back eight years. So the Yankees, you know, are, are you know pretty much here. Should get at least one more win here to get the series, this the split here. But you just say Tanaka going tomorrow. Tanaka, you know, Tanaka's been hit or miss. Sometimes he looks amazing. Sometimes he doesn't. So we need him to just come out there. Um, and see what he could do. And then we mentioned Loisga will be called up on time for the Wednesday game. And then uh, then Hap will play, th- play Thursday here. Um, Seattle's playing well. I don't think Seattle is going to continue this play for the entire stretch of the year. They usually kind of start out well and then die down and miss the playoffs. They have one of the longest active playoffs droughts in Major League Baseball. Kind of feel bad for, for King Felix when it comes down to that. Um, but But they're playing well now. You know, they are above 500 here. So that's, you know, everybody wants to talk about the Yankees and 500 teams. Three more versus Seattle. Got to got to do well here because then we go down to Tampa for three starts. And you want to talk about facing good pitching. Uh, Glass now and Snell are our Friday Saturday matchups, um, and probably an opener on, on Sunday. Those are two pitchers: the AL Cy Young Award winner and Snell. It just came back and threw a no hitter through seven innings, I think, tonight. And Glass now is one of the best pitchers this year. So Tampa knows how to get the pitchers, and the Yankees struggle in Tampa. So this that's a huge series down there this weekend. And we're really going to need the, the bats and, and the, the pitching to help because I, we both kind of expect the bats to be quiet, that series in Tampa. Yeah, and not having James Paxton. And I know he was supposed to pitch Wednesday. He wouldn't have been in line for that series. But the Yankees pitching, Tanaka is going to be scheduled for that weekend. Yep. Um, Sabathia should be scheduled for that weekend. They're going to need the pitching to step up because – Glass now, this is a kid that really impresses me. I know, I know. obviously, Snell, the 2018 AL Cy Young Award winner, but Glass now, man, he just chucks out there, and it's 98-99, then yeah. he drops that breaking ball in the dirt. He has pretty good control. That was his knack in Pittsburgh where they, they shipped him what, out. What for- a weird ship out by Pittsburgh. They got to look back on that now and be like, oh, come on. Chris, I mean, Chris Archer, I think, has got like a 60 RA out there. Yeah, and uh, they gave up Austin Meadows, too. Yes, yeah, yeah right. has been really good for Tampa. So I just – I'm looking forward to see seeing this Yankees team against those two guys in a place that have struggled historically now. They took three of four in a series uh, to end last year. That was the last week of the season. I was scared shitless for that series. But this is going to be a huge test for the Yankees and undoubtedly the biggest one they've faced this year with – Snell and Glass now going Friday, Saturday. Yeah, we got to give credit to the Rays here. They are the, kind of always the, the forgotten team of the AL East when we talk about the good teams here. But they're they're ten games over five hundred at twenty two and twelve, playing really good baseball. Much like the Yankees, when we talk, we praise them for the trades that they make. Tampa Bay's made some great trades here, like you said. The the, the, the players they got back for Chris Archer is a really really nice return already paying off. You know, they kind of just stole Tommy Fan from the Cardinals once the Cardinals. Uh, kind of didn't really have a need for him anymore with a crowded outfield. So they've made some really nice deals here, and they have a really nice group of young players as well. Um, so it, they're, they're a good team, and I don't think they're going away. Like They won 90 games last year, and no one really seemed to notice or care that how they, well they played. And they come out this season playing really strong, too. The Yankees struggle versus them. They struggle versus them already this year. Huge series this weekend, I think, and, and it can't be understated here, even though – you know, we might not get Aaron Hicks back for the season. I think maybe a Monday return would make sense here. The Yankees lineup is long enough, I think, at this point with the return of Andujar Sanchez and Frazier that this is a big series and a big measuring stick for the Yankees to go down there in Tampa and see what they can do. 
because like I said, we got another couple more weeks for for Stan and uh, and you know probably another couple months for for Judge and Severino here. Um, ch- chasing Tampa is always important. If you go down to Tampa and get swept, we're looking, you know, being you know six, seven games possibly game games back from from them. Um, it's never fun chasing games here. So while we always keep an eye on Boston because they're the heated rivals, um, we we can't get too far behind uh, Tampa at all. No, you can't. And Tampa's success is just really, really puzzling to me because they last year they just were destructing their roster. You know, yeah. trade after trade after trade, and they won 90 games in a division with when two, where two teams had 100 wins. Crazy. I mean, this, this is absurd. And I made the comparison to them and the Cleveland Indians last year, the Indians having 91 wins in a division where they locked up in the middle of May, and the Rays having 90 wins in a division with 200-game winners. So Kevin Cash, you know, Give credit to him as a manager. He is not afraid to try some really eccentric things, you know. Revolutionize the opener. And and I see him so many times. He did it against the Yankees last year, too. He puts Alvarado in for the lefty to start the ninth, and then he puts him at first base in a (laughs) one-run game. I mean, this shit is absurd. We have never seen this before. However, I did get really, really frustrated when he did that against the Yankees last year because when Alvarado would come back in or whoever he used out of the bullpen, uh, he'd put the righty at third base sometimes. Uh, uh, Romo was out in like left field that they get one for one one play. <laughs> yeah, or Romo played th- – I remember this. Romo played third base, and then the inning ended. He, he, got, he got the first out of the inning. He went to – third base for two batters and then he got warm-up pitches when he came in again (laughs) in the same inning i don't think that should be allowed because in high school the high school the baseball team at my high school i was not on it but (laughs) they no i I got cut sophomore year they were really good but (laughs) they faced a team that had a and this kid was one of my good friends on the other team they faced a lefty uh, left-handed hitter and they would bring in a lefty every time to face him but the lefty that would come in in the middle of the inning would get no warm-up pitches interesting so so yeah i don't know i don't know what the rules are that is weird because yeah if he didn't leave the game so why should he get some more pitches so we'll see what what cash has up his sleeve there in tampa because they are they are a good team um, right now, 538 projections. They, you know, they update after every game. Here has the Yankees finishing at 95 and 67, and Tampa at 93 and 69, um, with, with the Red Sox with 87 and 75 here. So, the Red Sox have gotten hot. I mean, they're what they won seven or eight of their last ten. Um, the Rays are still playing well here too. So it, it's going to be a three three team battle here. But it looks like the Rays, you know, right now they have you know the Yankees only with a two game future simulated win for the division here. So. Any games versus the Rays are important this year. So three down in Tampa. We'll see what happens. Um, Herman versus Glass now will be kind of a two of the best pitchers in baseball going at it um, on Friday. So that would be a, a good matchup to watch. Um, and hopefully the Yankees get some home runs because they got they got three tonight. They got three nice home runs tonight. Um, that puts them at 54 home runs on the year. So for the hashtag NYYHR tracker update, that has the Yankees at a pace of 257 home runs, 10 below their the pace to break their record here. They've had a kind of a, a rough week here. They only played in a, in a they got two day two off games, um, and then they had a couple games where they had no home runs or just one home run here. But three home runs tonight, 
um, for the Yankees. Uh, Luke Voigt still is chasing Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez, another great week here. Leads the team with 11 home runs, and still that 467-foot bomb will will likely, unless Gary hits another one that I don't think anyone's touching that one. He is just hitting absolute bombs. Of his 11, eight of them have gone for over 400 feet. So when Gary connects, it's a, it's a no-doubter. Um, biggest home run of the week here, a couple couple different options here. I'm going to throw it to uh, to Estrada, his first ever Major League home run. It happened Monday night. Opposite field, first pitch, got the silent treatment in the dugout here, helped the Yankees uh, kind of put away this one early uh, to go up 6 nothing versus, versus Seattle. Um, but Sanchez has home runs. Luke Voigt, you know, got back in the home run uh, train as well. Gar- Brett Gardner won. He's got six on the year already. So lots of home runs as per usual. But they are they are tra- tracking below pace here for the home run record. Um, any that I didn't mention that stood out for you in the past week? I uh, can't say there's any uh, you mentioned. Uh, maybe the maybe the Vo- the Voigt home run in Arizona. Obviously, those two games were kind of whatever games. Yeah. I mean, that got out in such a hurry. Uh, um, but Gary yeah. versus two versus the twins. I mean, th- that poor pitcher, that relief pitcher that came in and Gary just smoked that ball. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he, another, another two home run game here. I think that, that's his like third multi-hit home run game already. So, so Gary Sanchez is putting on a show. Um, I would kind of, I've talked a lot about it on Twitter. People were kind of yelling at me. He's one of the most prolific home run hitters in like baseball history. And it's crazy to even think that he's done that. He's, you know, he's, He's most likely when he gets to um, – I don't know. I forgot to pull the numbers up here. But when he gets to 100 home runs, it will likely be the second quickest player ever to get to 100 home runs behind Ryan Howard. You know, he's only played in 200 – less than 260 games, and he's he's got 80, 83 on his career now. So, I mean, Gary Sanchez is just hitting absolute bombs all the time. And we always talk about Judge being, you know, the quickest that Judge has gotten to these numbers and how many home runs Judge hits. You kind of forget about the, the power, especially from a catching position, that Gary Sanchez has in his young career he definitely has a good shot to hit 40 this year, even though he missed two weeks, which I'm That's really... That's the crazy part. We forget he's only played like 20 games. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the home run numbers are prolific. And obviously, you know, last year was a total fluke, but he still had 18 home runs, which, I mean, just added, you add to that total. And it's great to see Sanchez bouncing back. That average is in that 270 range right now. And he is hitting home runs, like you said, at a record pace. And I think he's going to go on a flurry. He's going to continue this flurry, and Looks maybe so we could, maybe we could be talking about in the twenty range by Memorial Day. Maybe that's crazy, and it's going to put him up there. We, we, I mean, let's go even further. Is we could be talking about Gary Sanchez having some of the most home runs ever by the time his career ends as a, as a catcher. If he can stay behind the plate, I think that's well in reach for him. He's only twenty six years old, and he's got officially eighty two home runs. In, in 286 games. So he hasn't even played 300 games yet, and he's got 82 home runs. So be sure to keep tracking for the, the Yankees home run tracker. Uh, updated every every day after the final out. At hashtag NYYHRTracker. Um, follow me at AngelSteve89 uh, to keep an update on that. Sam, we already talked about what's going on the rest of this week here. So give us your, your final thoughts uh, on the past week and, and what's coming up here as you get ready for kind of college graduation and more Yankees baseball. Yeah, oh my goodness, college graduation. <laughs> He's getting so excited. old on us. <laughs> oh my goodness. Started this started this when I was at a different college, uh, <laughs> a community college, and now uh, I'm graduating a four-year institution. But, you know, the, the last week, the, the two kind of whatever games in Arizona, they couldn't get the bats going. You know, interleague, 
that that was their fourth and fifth straight games of interleague, which kind of sucks yeah. with any lineup, especially this depleted Yankees lineup. But two or three from the Twins, they get the opener against the Mariners. You know, maybe take these last three from the Mariners, if not at least two or three. And, you know, like you said, Steve, a big, big test for the Yankees this weekend. If they win two of three, that'll be very, very impressive with a lineup that's really not even nowhere near 100%, even though they're getting a lot of reinforcements back. So, you know, up for the challenge, just realistically, do not get swept in Tampa. Get at least one. Yeah. Get at least one. Versus those two starters out there, uh, two of three, like you said, would be a huge accomplishment there. So I'm looking forward to that. It'll be a big, big weekend series. And fingers crossed here. That's yeah. That, that's, that's, that's all I ask. <laughs> Don't get swept. Get at least one in Tampa. Um, and I'll be okay if it doesn't happen until next week here. But um, I want to see Aaron Hicks in the lineup on Sunday. Let's see him get there. Like you said, he was already in the rehab assignment. Um, get him a couple more games down there. And it would be a, a very huge boost, I think, if he's in the lineup for a couple of these games um, in Tampa here to kind of just reinforce everything because him at the top of the lineup, I'm assuming he'd be there, moves DJ and his contact hitting more towards the middle of the lineup. So the Yankees are getting healthy. They're still winning either. We're winning when they weren't healthy here. So continue this pace here and, and start tracking down and, and getting uh, maybe what we, we could do. It's very possible that at the end of this week, if we can go out down there in Tampa, that the Yankees can be leading the AL East. So that'd be, that, that's my lofty goal is to be in first place after – leaving Tampa on Sunday. So be sure to check out, check us out next week to see if either one of us are completely right or if we're just uh, completely wrong here. But either way, we'll be back next week to, to talk about it. Uh, so thanks for listening. Check out uh, everything New York sports at GothamSN.com. Plenty of Game of Thrones podcasts out there. If you're into the Mets and just want to know all things baseball, check out Next Stop, Willett's Point. And uh, we'll be back next week. Sam, talk to you later. Toodle, Steve. Have a great one. <laughs>